The Battle of Guilford Courthouse was not preordained. Instead, it resulted from strategies that had been initially put in play during the first stages of the American War of Independence. At the beginning of the conflict, long-standing political and economic differences between the Piedmont and the Tidewater marred relationships and divided the Carolinas. In both North and South Carolina, Whigs gained quick control, establishing new governments in 1775-76. Exiled loyalists nevertheless promised the British a massive outpouring of support to coincide with the arrival of regular British troops in the South. The British believed that once their armies arrived, the loyalists in hiding would rise up and re-establish royal government. Those loyalists who rose, however, were defeated in minor skirmishes at Great Bridge, Virginia, and Moores Creek Bridge, North Carolina, and when the British actually did arrive at Charleston, South Carolina, in June 1776, they were defeated as well. With these victories, the Whigs considered the southern colonies secure after 1776. They were wrong. Two years later, the British returned. A surprise attack on Savannah in late December 1778 carried the town in less than an hour. Within two months, all of Georgia was under royal control except remote frontier areas, with British garrison posts extending from Augusta to Savannah and down the coast. South Carolina and North Carolina Whigs reacted by attacking British outposts along the Savannah River, but were defeated in a series of bloody engagements such as Briar Creek and driven north. When the British crossed the Savannah River and threatened Charleston, the Tidewater aristocracy, thinking more of themselves and their wealth than liberty, proposed neutrality. The British initially ignored the planters' offer, but were forced away by arriving continental forces that attacked their evacuation point at Stono Ferry. Over the summer of 1779, British hopes arose again as things began to unravel for the Whigs and their new state governments. A combined Franco-American force thoroughly bungled a counterattack on Savannah in October after the French officers rushed a siege into an all-out assault, fearful that by prolonging siege operations, they would risk their accompanying fleet to the ravages of the hurricane season. The result was a disastrous American defeat with horrendous casualties that played directly into British hands when attempting to recruit locals into the ranks of the Continentals. By 1780, the British strategy was predicated on two or three key features. First, the war in the North was stalemated because neither side could destroy the other's army, and because occupying cities did not seem to improve the situation much. The northern campaigning should have taught the British that, if they moved away from naval logistical support, they could be in for serious difficulties, as had happened to Burgoyne's campaign that ended at Saratoga. The second fact underlying the British stratagem was that South Carolina was the richest colony in North America, and some attempt should be made to retain it. Finally, the British continued to believe although less and less enthusiastically, that the key to conquering the South lay in the mass enlistment of Loyalists. The British leadership was well aware of the key element in any Tory uprising, the British Army. If an army was not present, Tories would not turn out. Prophetically, when they issued authorization to raise militia units, they ordered that officers should not allow their units to take the field until they could protect themselves. In a letter to South Carolina Tory Richard Pierce, Loyalist official James Simpson instructed him on recruiting militiamen. You are authorized to give them the strongest assurances of effectual countenance, protection, and support. 
have them collect as much ammunition and provisions as they can procure, that they may not be distressed for want of those articles, until they join the royal army. As soon as they are assembled in sufficient numbers, seize and secure such of the people as have been most subservient. Tell them their junction with the king's troops as soon as possible is of the first consequence, and to bring with them all the horses they can collect, and also any provisions. It will be prudent not to attempt any doubtful offensive operations that can be avoided until they meet the king's troops. They should destroy all stores and provisions belonging to the rebels, and destroy all posts or places of strength erected by the rebels. It will be proper not to make the purposes of your errand generally known amongst the common people until you have disclosed it to such persons whose consequence and influence amongst them will probably induce their example to be followed.